0: a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL, then you picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of data and he's ready to tell you the way it is, or well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends around the country. Who are just now finding out that you can indeed walk outside and fry an egg on someone's bald head. It is that damn hot. Here we go. Talking about the weather again. Have you stepped outside lately? Yeah, whatever. I'll talk about the weather some more in just a minute. You know why? Because I am Jim Derry. Sports betting writer at The Times McCune, The Advocate, and bet.nola.com. And this is Datitude, episode number 79 for a Friday, June the 24th, 2022. And I'm not doing this show alone today, boys and girls. Jeff Duncan, along with me, sports columnist for The Times McCune. And um, we're going to have a special show for you today. Mickey Loomis, president and general manager of the New Orleans Saints, is going to be on with us in just
1: about five or ten minutes. And, uh, Dunk, what's going on this morning? Oh, not much. Just surviving the heat, J.D., and that's not easy to do these days. You know, I
0: think the listeners get tired of me talking about the weather. Um, But, uh, you know,
1: it is what it is. It is brutal, man. It is brutal. Can't go outside between, like, 9 a.m. and 7 (laughs) (laughs) p.m.
0: Well, you know, I have to. I'm actually in Panama City uh, this week um, with the family, taking a little respite from vacation. We've exiled the children from the hotel room so people can actually hear us talk. And um, it is just as brutal here in Panama City. On the beach, it got to 99 on the beach yesterday. I told you how hot it is. This this little thunderdome of, of high pressure needs to just move along. I don't know if I need to call David Bernard or whatever. If you got connections on on that, you got people at Fox 8, can you call David Bernard and tell him to get move this this high pressure system out of here?
1: Yeah, I've never seen anything like it, man. Unfortunately, I can't help you in that regard. That's why I'm trying to find a, a cabin or something somewhere up in the Pacific Northwest to get out of here.
0: Uh, good move. Yeah, I took vacation where it's just as hot as it is at home. All right, enough talking about the weather. Let's uh we're going to dive into to the saints in just a minute and very happy and, uh, you know, thankful to the saints for allowing Mickey to come on and talk with us for 20, 25 minutes. And, uh, you know, it, 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 the saints, I think are in a really good place right now, Donk. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people are worried about, you know, Drew Brees is gone. Sean Payton has now moved on. we got a new coach, Jameis Winston, There uncertainties there. We're going to talk about that with, with Mickey in just a minute, but, you really have to like where the Saints are right
1: now. Yeah, you know, Mickey, I think that's uh, where his experience comes in uh, and his shrewdness as a general manager. When you lose a, a coach as talented and as brilliant as Sean Payton, uh, that can lead to a precipitous drop-off in any organization. Just look historically. Uh, it, it's very difficult to replace someone of his caliber, but I think having someone in charge like Mickey, who's coached—I mean, I'm sorry—who's been an executive at other places. I mean, he's been with Chuck Knox and 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 really good head coaches at, in Seattle. So I think that experience paid off in this transition. And by bringing in Dennis Allen uh, and continuing the culture uh, and that stability in that position, uh, the stability of the roster. I think Saints fans should be uh, encouraged and have confidence that they're not going to experience some precipitous drop-off right now.
0: No. And the stability of having Mickey still there. I mean, you know, you, you got to realize where this team was when he came on and, um, you know, where this team was when it became general manager. And he has lifted this team through so many different things and obviously lived through the whole Katrina thing. And, uh all the things that went on with the dome. And the one thing that has been constant with this team, besides the Benson's ownership throughout the past almost quarter century now is that Mickey Loomis has been a
1: part of this. Yeah. And he's a very underrated guy. I think he's, I think saints fans certainly appreciate uh, his ability and uh, you know, his acumen. I, I know that, but I think nationally, he doesn't quite get the, the uh, you know, his just do, Uh, He doesn't have a big ego, and I think that's very rare. He certainly cares about his legacy and and the success of the organization. I mean, let's not make a mistake about that, but his ego, he's willing to sacrifice that for the good of the organization. And, And I think that's been a key part of this entire successful run. The most unprecedented run that the organization's ever had. Uh, And and Doug Marone talked about the other day. Doug Marone's got good perspective on that. He came in with the Saints. He's back with the Saints. He's been a head coach in Buffalo and Jacksonville. He's been head coach at major colleges. And he talked the other day about how uh, underrated Mickey Loomis is and how important part of this uh, organizational success he's been. And so I think we shouldn't take that for granted because I get the sense that Mickey's not going to be here for much longer. I mean, I'm not. Nobody's trying to run him off, but uh, you know, I think at some point he's going to step aside. He may stay with the organization, but I could see in the next five years him moving into a different role uh, in the organization. I don't think we should take for granted what he's been able to do here.
0: Yeah, we we actually talked to him about that coming up in just a minute. But uh, you know, I think if you would have asked him, you know, even maybe five, ten years ago. I don't think he thought he would be, the. if you talk about the trio of Drew Brees, Sean Payton, and Mickey Loomis, I don't think Mickey thought that he would be the last one here.
1: No, no way. I mean, he's older than all them. I mean, he, he laughs about that all the time. I mean, he's got, I don't think people know this. I mean, Mickey's oldest son, Alex, is a high-ranking, pretty high-ranking executive with the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, he's in the director of college scouting there, I believe. I mean, he's a scout with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so, uh, he's been in this, in this business for a long time. And I, I think that's paid off, especially in this big transition that they're going through losing Drew Brees, losing Sean Payton. It helps to have a steady hand. And, you know, if you talk to people that know Mickey, I mean, he's a very, very good poker player. (laughs) I mean, excellent. And part of it is because he does not reveal his hand. I mean, he has a poker face on all the time. And I think that pays off in the draft when they make trades. Uh, when he negotiates contracts, uh, he's very shrewd, uh, and it's easy to underestimate him sometimes. And, uh, uh, I think he's been a key part of why this team has not only won so many games, but also kind of been respected as well as they are around the league. Well, maybe I'll have
0: to have him in my Sunday night game and see what happens. We have a, uh,
1: good luck with that. I think he'd, I think he'd be pretty formidable.
0: We have a, uh, a World Series of Poker main event champion that, that plays with us. Uh, so he's not with us right now. He's in Vegas trying to win another one. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Let's get to the interview with Mickey and, and hear from him. And when, when we're done with the interview, Dunk, you and I will we'll jump back on and talk a little bit about what we heard. Welcome here to the Dattitude Podcast on this Friday morning. We are super happy to have here with us Mickey Loomis, the President and General Manager of the New Orleans Saints and uh, we're glad to have you here, Mickey. Uh, how's the summer going so far? You haven't had much time to have a break.
2: Well, we just, uh, you know, finished the mini camp last week, and uh, just getting into the beginning of our break here. But if I can weather the uh, heat, then, um, <laughs> which uh, you know we'll be able to do, then then we'll have a good uh, thirty days here before we get going with uh, training camp. Well, you got a plan.
0: You got any vacation plans going on?
2: No, not really. I mean, we got, you know, our kids are involved in so many activities, sports, and camps that, you know, our schedule's built around them as opposed to us, uh, you know, being able to really plan something. I'm sure that's pretty common with the listeners, but uh, yeah, we're prisoners of our children.
0: Jeff Duncan and I are here together uh, this morning on the Daditude podcast. Before I get into the questions, I want to ask, I mean, I want to know more about Mickey Loomis. Tell us a little bit about you. Uh, and, and I know that being a president and GM of a national football league team is, is life consuming, but what do you like to do outside of work? What do you, what kind of things do you do besides, besides working?
2: Yeah, look, I think I got two things really. Um, I like playing golf. Um, I'm not great at it, but I like, I enjoy playing. I enjoy the, you know, I enjoy the, um, uh, the company of of you know three or four guys having a little friendly competition. We have a normal group, a, a regular group that involves about uh, you know seven or eight guys, and so I enjoy that. And then it's just really going to games and, and you know watching my kids uh, play their sports. And and I got two older kids and a grandson, so it's pretty consumed with uh, you know with family and golf outside of football.
0: Yeah, well, I'm not very good at golf either, so uh, I, I I try, but uh, I, I completely get that part of it. All right, let's get into the the real questions. And uh, you know, some of these questions you're gonna you have heard a million times, but some of them we have to we have to ask. The first one I'm sure you've heard probably more than a million times. You know, most of your time here in New Orleans, you've been with with Sean Payton, and uh, he's been by your side. How strange has it been without him? And are you embracing the challenge of moving on? and and life without sean Payton.
2: well look i think i think first of all yeah i certainly miss uh him personally you know and and we will miss him as a coach he's a great coach um he's a great become a great friend of mine over over the years um i think we can finish each other's thoughts you know we've been together for so long um and and look his his um imprint on this franchise is going to last for a long long time it's not going away anytime soon um and yet look i think anytime there's something new um you know a new head coach dennis allen who we've known for a long time and have a lot of confidence in he's got you know some things that he wants to do that are a little different Uh, and um you know the things that i can impact him with are different than the things that that uh that I had with Sean because look, Sean, Sean, you know, had so much experience and, and, and uh, had kind of a defined way of doing things. And I, you know, I think Dennis is, is, you know, still, you know, feeling his way along in in certain areas. And so we have a lot of, uh, um, you know, back and forth and, and, and bounce things off each other in terms of, of, uh, you know, how we're going to do things this year. So it's, it's, and there's an excitement to that. There's there's um, you know there's a newness and excitement, and, and you know we're anxious to go going in training camp and anxious to see uh, how our team performs this year.
1: Well, Mickey, that's exactly the kind of leads right into what I wanted to ask you about. Now that you've had these few months with D.A. in his role, I mean, how have you seen him? As you've watched and I'm sure monitored him uh, from the sidelines, if you will, how have you seen him kind of put his stamp? on the job and, and on the program?
2: Yeah, I, I think, look, I think that's still evolving. But, um, look, I, I'm convinced we made the right decision. We had a lot of great candidates, and any one of them would have been – would have done a great job. But um, I think Dennis has the right mix of experience um, as a head coach, experience with our franchise. Um, and And I think, look, I, I – you know, having the experience in Oakland, and I know it didn't go well for him there—not the way he wanted. But man, he learned a lot from that. I can tell already. And so, there's a there's a confidence um, that he exudes that I think uh, um, our team feels as well. So uh, I'm really excited about how things have gone so far, and, and like I said, anxious to get started.
0: Mickey, you've been jamming of this team for for 20 years. You've been with the team for for, we're getting close to 25, I think now, uh, but just talk about, what? do you have any plans for life after football? Do you think about it at all? Do you have anything in mind when you want to retire? Do you go day by day? I mean, what, what are your thoughts for, for, for your future?
2: Well, are you guys trying to push me out? Um, no, absolutely
0: not. 100%, <laughs> 100%, not. Well, 100% well, look, it's not. kind of, you
2: know, it's kind of ironic. I said this, I said this, you know, Sean made his decision, and and, uh, you know, him and Breeze were both retiring on me, and I'm the oldest, you know, <laughs> by a pretty good margin here. And so I, I never really thought that they would be gone before me. Um, but look, you know, have I thought about it occasionally? I do think about it. And yet, man, I've got, I've got a lot of energy, um, I'm excited about the people that that I work with, and I'm certainly excited about the person, Mrs. Benson, who I work for. And I just feel like, look, I still have a lot to offer, and I can help our franchise. And and so as long as I feel that way, I'm going to continue.
0: Did you think when you got into this, Mickey, that you would be a general manager of one team? I mean, this is a dumb question because obviously the answer is no, but just your thought process when you got into – to football. I mean, did you ever think that you would be in this position?
2: Well, look, I, when I, when I started, I wanted a career in sports. Now, obviously when you're young, you know, you think you're going to be an athlete and I certainly was that way. I thought I was going to be, you know, first I thought I was going to be a professional baseball player. And then I thought I was going to be a professional basketball player. And then I thought I was going to be a professional football player. And look, I wouldn't get enough to be any of them. So, um, you know, the next iteration of that is my, really my dream job when I was in my early 20s. I, I wanted to become a um, a basketball coach and an uh, AD at a small college. That was really what my target was. And so, you know, I just I ended up getting a job with the Seahawks, being there for 15 years and then came to New Orleans. And obviously, you know, the the rest of that's history. But I tell people all the time, yeah, I do have a dream job. And yet it wasn't my dream, you know, my dream I didn't achieve, which was to be um, a basketball coach and, and, and uh, AD at a small college. So I, I, I don't really think a lot about, hey, where I'm at and how I got here because, you know, I just – I'm always thinking forward rather than looking back. But I know when, when uh, you know, when I do finish and I start thinking about my career, A, I'm going to have a lot of people that, that, um, that I'll be grateful to. It helped me along the way and and it's going to be, yeah, it's kind of a miracle how it happened and certainly no one uh, in these positions in these roles expects to have you know a long career with one team that that just is rare in our in our business and and yet I've had I've had a 15- year run in Seattle and now a, a 22 year um, going on 23 year run in in uh, New Orleans, so I'm pretty grateful for that.
1: Mickey, you talked about some of the people you're excited about working with, and and I had a really fun, fascinating interview with Matt Ray a, a week or so ago, and I know he he said that you kind of cold called him out of the blue. Uh, I'm curious, how did you all land on him, and what was it that attracted you to him? Because I think he's kind of a an important off season acquisition for y'all.
2: Yeah, um, well, uh, two things. You know, I think first of all you know, when you have um, a significant amount of injuries that we've had over the last few years, you start looking at everything in your building. How are we um, from in terms of who the players are that we're playing, how we're practicing, uh, how we're treating them. You know, you just look at every aspect of, of um, your operation and your process trying to figure out, hey, how can we reduce um, this injury uh, quotient? And look, it's not there's no one secret solution, but as we started looking at it and thinking about it, it kind of felt like we were a little bit behind the times technologically wise uh, in in uh, our strength and conditioning program and our performance program. And so, you know, we got we got some information. I don't even remember how it first came that that uh, Alabama was doing a great job in that area, and started researching the people that. that um, that they were using and, and how can we tap into that. We interviewed, um, you know, two guys from Alabama and, and ultimately settled on Dr. Ray and just the more research and due diligence we did on his background and the things that he was doing, it was just really impressive. And then when he came to interview and he started talking about um, the types of things that he does that, that enhances performance and reduces injuries you know, we just got really excited about that, and, and fortunately we're able to uh, hire him.
1: Yeah, and, uh, and he seems convinced that proactively you all can make a difference. His track record at Alabama and Indiana seemed to indicate that uh, you can reduce these soft tissue injuries by being proactive on the front end.
2: Is that the whole? Yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, they've demonstrated that at the places that he's been. And yet I think that's just one, you know, that's just one element. The other element is, uh, improving performance and, and, you know, he's got some data and some, some techniques and some things that he does that, that will help our players, um, be better. And and look, that's what we're trying to do.
0: Make you talk a little bit about, um, the process of the draft, obviously, um, you know, with a different person in the, in the room and one person that used to being in there. What, what was different this year, or was there anything different this year than in years past?
2: Well, I, I don't really think there was much different because Dennis has been a part of this process that we've had here for a number of years, 12 out of the last 16 years. And so he, he knew what the process was. We're very collaborative. I think, uh, uh, number one, Jeff Ireland and our, our uh uh, entire college scouting staff, they do a great job of not just evaluating um, players, but also understanding what our coaching staff is looking for at, you know, each of the positions. And so that's that's one area where when you have a new head coach, um, you have to feel your way along. And yet we didn't because it didn't really change. Dennis was familiar with it and understood it. Um, and so I would say it was, it was, it was very much the same, um, maybe a little quieter, Sean's, Sean's opinions. Um, you know, he, he delivers his opinions in a very uh, affirmative matter manner, and, and Dennis is probably a little more um, reserved, but, but the process was really the same, and I, I think that's one of the benefits of, of having someone that's been in our building.
1: I wanted to ask you a few player questions. I know you love these kind of player questions. It's yeah, one of your, one of your favorite thing. But I mean, can you shed any light? We asked Dennis last week about Alvin Kamara. I mean, can, is there any light you can shed on that situation as an organization? How are you all approaching it? Do you expect to have him for the season? Do you expect discipline? I mean, what what where where do you all stand on that?
2: Yeah, I think. Look, we're just in the mode of of of. I, you know, I think for me, what I always try to do is, hey, what's the worst case scenario and what's the best case scenario? and then and then you know, we just we really just have to wait and see what happens. Um, and yet we have to be prepared for anything and and I think that's that's really the way we approach you know anything and everything is is uh, be prepared for for anything that can happen. and um, you know that, that look, I don't know enough, but I don't have enough of the details to be able to to project what could or, or couldn't happen. Um, I know that there's a hearing later th- this uh, this summer, and so we'll just have to wait and see what happens.
1: Is that a situation, Mickey, where the, does the league keep you all abreast at all of that process, or is it other, other than knowing there's a hearing, is there anything else you can
2: – Well, no, I think uh, the hearing is – You know, the, I think the, the process – in Las Vegas has to work itself out before the league, you know, does their process. So they, you know, there's, there's generally two steps. It's, the first is the legal matter. And then the second is, is obviously, you know, the league. And so we're not really involved in either one of those. Okay.
0: Well, speaking of, of players, um, you know, when you brought Jameis Winston in, you know, he's, he's, Signed for a you know two year contract or one year contract and now a two year contract through six games obviously uh, he showed signs that he could definitely be the leader of this team what what do you guys see in him what what the potential there what is the potential there for him to bring this team back to where he used to be and why do you guys have so much confidence in Jameis?
2: yeah I, well I think first of all look. You know, we, we all have seen the talent. I mean, he was the first pick of the draft, you know, so, and I think that would have been, he would have been consensus first or or second pick of the draft in that year. Um, And so everyone sees has seen and understands the talent. The rest of it is just look, understanding the position, developing as a quarterback, being a leader of your team. And, and, and I think Jameis has grown in, in every one of those areas. and, and I would say he would say that he's not a finished product yet. And yet, man, he's made a lot of progress. We like what we've seen. We like what we saw last year. We like what we saw the year before when he didn't play. Um, and, and we got to know him. Uh, so, look, we all believe in Jameis. We believe in his talent. We believe in his, his, his uh, leadership capability. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to get a chance to see what happens here.
1: And as far as Michael Thomas is concerned, is is there expectation that he's going to be ready for the start yeah, of training yeah. camp?
2: Yeah, I think he he and all of us would would expect that. Okay. And
1: uh, final question. I know you're going to love this one, uh, Demario. Maybe I won't
2: answer it if I don't love it.
1: <laughs> I know. I know you very well, Mickey. But no, I've had a good conversation last week with Demario Davis, and he said you all talked. He wants to finish his career. I'm sure he's told you this. Uh, in New Orleans, like, is he a priority for you all? I mean, I know he's such a leader in the locker room, in the community. How do you juggle that as a GM? Because he knows this. He's in his thir- early 30s, long range, trying to keep him around and also reward him for, for what he's done for you all. Because I know you talk to your players when you sign those guys about doing all the things that he's done.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think, well, good question. Um, first of all, I very much appreciate DeMario Davis. He he's been fantastic um, since the day we got him. And and, and you know his his look. We, we knew what the potential for him as a player on the field. I don't know that we really understood um, you know how good a leader he could become. And and he, he he does a great job in that area. He's a team first guy. And so you know, but he's he's also a player that. Listen, he's a bit of a unicorn. There's not a lot of guys that, that get to that age and continue to play at such a high level. And so it'll be a lot like, you know, Breeze. He'll be able to be here, have an opportunity to be here and play for our team for as long as he wants to and as long as he can. And, you know, hopefully that's a long time. Yeah. Last yeah. yeah.
0: Sorry, Sorry, Don.
1: No, go, go ahead, J.D. I was just curious. There's one thing I was going to say, Mickey, is – as the GM, you've always taken that approach of the team first, right? You got to think about the team yeah, yeah. And, and the future of the team and how far down the road when you were, when you were negotiating contracts like this, yeah. how far down the road do you look at the roster and how many years out are you projecting?
2: Yeah, it kind of depends. Um, look that, that, you know, each, each one of these contracts is unique and, it's dependent upon the player. It depends upon where we're at as a team. It depends upon, you know, the magnitude of the deals. You know, how much, you know, there's, there's there's three elements in every one of these contracts. You know, there's there's term, the length. There's the magnitude in terms of, you know, average per year, call it. And then there's a guaranteed portion, how much is guaranteed. And so each of those elements come into play in every contract. And yet they're weighed a little differently depending upon the player, the position, where we're at with the cap. You know, obviously, you know, and, and everyone knows that we've pressed that cap uh, to the limits over, over the years as we've, as we've uh, been a competitive team. I think that's the right thing to do is, um, is you know, put your, your chips out there and, 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 and try to be the best team you can be. That's, that's our philosophy. And so, but what happens is, is as, you know, we get through this and we get through these years we've got to make tough choices. You know, we had to make a tough choice with Teron Armstead, who's been a fantastic player, a great leader, a fantastic player, um, at a, at a really key position. Um, I can't say enough good things about Teron Armstead. He's going to be, um, you know, in, in the Saints Hall of Fame. He's likely to be on the, uh, Saints Ring of Honor someday. So that was a tough, tough decision, but sometimes we have to make those tough decisions. Um, in order to take, you know, put out the best team we can put out.
0: Mickey, we really appreciate your time uh, this morning. And uh, we hope you enjoy uh, your few weeks off or whatever that is. I know there's no such thing really as time off, but we certainly, certainly appreciate you joining Duncan and I here on the Dattitude podcast. Well, Dunk, our interview, I will be transparent. Our interview got a little truncated there. We we ran out a little t- of, of time on our meeting space. I would have liked to ask him a couple more questions but I, I love the candor. I mean I, you know you and I kind of talked before we got on, and you know sometimes Mickey's a little bit guarded. You talked about his his poker face before we even and, and talked to him. but I thought he was very candid and, and and let it let the world be be seen, I guess.
1: Well, you can tell he's very uh, relaxed in that setting. I think he's always more relaxed when my experience with Mickey. When I can get him one-on-one, which is not very often because his time is so limited, but when you get him in a one-on-one setting, he's much more relaxed. And I think in this setting, he was clearly relaxed. I think you could also sense the optimism and confidence he has in this team and and some of the key players on the team. So uh, I think uh, that came across in the interview. I I was pleasantly surprised with how open he was.
0: I thought your questions about Alvin Kamara and Demario Davis were – were interesting, and, you know, every team right now has their, their issues, and especially in this time that we live in, um, you know, every team's going to have their issues uh, throughout the course of a season before camp, and, uh, you know, I like his answers, and I think that uh, these things will f- find a way to work themselves out, and, um, you know, team personnel important for this team because Sean Payton has kind of laid the blueprint of what kind of player uh, – the Saints want to have, and that's what they have on this roster. And so I think Mickey uh, obviously is a big part of that, wants to make sure that they continue to carry that forward.
1: Yeah, I thought what he said about Dennis Allen and how he's really, uh, not a lot's changed out there culturally. He's putting his stamp uh, steadily on the program as he goes. Uh, But that's going to take time. That's going to evolve over time. Uh, But I think the culture that's been fostered and And, uh, you you know, monitored by the Saints' uh, key brain trust and Mickey being a big part of that uh, and Jeff Ireland and and the rest of the front office. I mean, they have a very strong front office with Kai Harley, uh, Michael Parenton, now the director of pro personnel. These are people that Mickey Loomis trusts, people he's all hired. And uh, I think he does a great job of delegating those roles. So when you notice when Mickey talks, one thing I've always noticed about him It's always about us. It's always a collaborative effort. doesn't like to really put a lot, shine a lot of light on one person. Uh, You know, and that's something that I think he's deliberate about. Uh, You know, when he mentions Jeff Ireland, as much as we all appreciate Jeff Ireland, Vicky will always say, and the rest of the college scouting staff, but he wants to make sure it's an inclusive process and that everyone gets credit and uh, I think that's something that goes a long way with the people that work for them.
0: Couple things that we didn't get to, I guess, um, kind of want to talk to you about. With and the one main question that that I didn't get to because I thought it was important to ask him about Jameis Winston. I had a choice between Jameis Winston, and the following questions. So I'm gonna let you answer it. Um, you know, and we've kind of talked about this, but heading into the the camp next month, and they're taking their their break right now, but camp will be here before we know it I think it's a little less than a, a right at a month from today or maybe a little I don't know Four, five weeks or more yeah
1: yeah about five weeks all right
0: so you go into camp and to me if you look at this roster up and down and you can't judge teams on paper I get that but it's it's my job as a, as a betting analyst and we're doing over unders and when I as soon as I come back from vacation it's the first thing I'm working on we're doing a team by team preview on over unders but I just don't understand um, the thought process on this team, from pundits, odds makers, um, you know, analysts, whatever it is, there's so many people that think this team is either a 500 or maybe a sub 500 team. And with the the roster is better than it was last year at so many different places, and I don't think it's really dropped off anywhere. So maybe you can explain to me why some of these pundits think that this team is a 500 team.
1: Well, I think the schedule might be a little bit harder. Uh, When I looked at the schedule, I I see a lot more 50-50 games. I don't see a lot of gimmies on their schedule. So I think that might be one reason. I think the questions about Dennis Allen and Jameis Winston, those are the two faces of the franchise. Uh, People have questions about that. So I think internally there's more optimism because they know what they've got in Dennis Allen and Jameis Winston, I think, more so than outside the building. Uh, I do think there's some, there's some precariousness to the season. Like I believe if things go right, this team could definitely make a playoff run, but i also think there's a lot of things that could fall uh, on the opposite side. You know, Mike Thomas, is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be what he was? I think we all assume he's going to be what he was, but do we know that? I mean, that's a question. Alvin Kamara's status. That's a question. I mean, we're talking about some of the key players on this team is, is Cam Jordan and Demario Davis going to continue to play at the high level that they've been playing at in their 30s? I mean, most players don't don't continue to produce at that age. So there's a lot of things, I think, that, that could fall in line, but there's also a lot of things that could undermine uh, the Saints team. And, but I do think the fact that the NFC is definitely the weaker conference plays to their advantage. So uh, and I'm straddling the fence. It's funny, I I tend to be, uh, you know, know, I've been optimistic on this team for the last five years. I found myself being a little more skeptical this year than in past years, maybe than most people locally, because I do sense there's a lot of question marks uh, because of the uncertainty of of the new coach and the new quarterback.
0: How much of what you are going to see in training camp is going to affect how you feel about this team?
1: I don't think that much. I mean, I think what I'm what I'm curious to see, and you and I, I think talked about it on the on the, the podcast before, like what's going to happen when this team hits adversity? What's going to happen when they lose two in a row? I mean, it's going to happen. How does Dennis Allen handle that? Can he handle it as effectively as as Sean Payton when there's a crisis? What what happens if they have to relocate again for a, a tropical storm? God forbid. You know, those kind of things. Peyton was masterful at it. It was like one of his strengths. Uh, and I just don't know what we're going to get with Dennis in that regard. I'm not saying he can't handle it, but uh, I do think he's better prepared to handle it than he was his first go round in Oakland. Uh, but those are questions. I mean, what happens if Jameis Winston goes down for a significant period of time and Andy Dalton carried the team? Um, those are things we're, we're going to find out about. But um, I do think the raw, I agree with you hundred percent. I think the roster is better than it was a year ago. I don't think anybody can deny that.
0: I also think that, not just talking to Mickey, but just from what we've heard from around and, and all the different interviews that I've listened to and, and seen or whatever, and the people we've talked to, I, I think this team truly believes that they're a Super Bowl caliber kind of team.
1: Oh, no, there's no question. You talk to anybody in the locker room, but but I mean, look, that's kind of typical this time of year. That's the thing is, I mean, this is the year when everyone's, you know, undefeated, right? And uh, Dennis Green's got that great old saying, of, we're all in the valley, O and O, we're trying to climb the climb the mountain to, to success to the Super Bowl. So everyone's kind of optimistic at this time. year. I mean, everyone's, you know, fixed the holes, the draft, and free agencies solved all the problems. And, and my experience is there's always things that happen. I mean, somebody drops off you didn't foresee you know somebody's play all of a sudden levels off or gets worse there's an injury uh there's it just always happens so i, I go back to you know when i first started covering the league mark stepnoski was a great center for the, the the houston oilers and when i was first started covering the league in tennessee and he told me that every season comes down to three things comes down to injuries uh breaks just the ball, bounce of the ball we see it here in new orleans a lot right Ball bounces your way one year, you get the meet miracle, you know, and then then the next year it doesn't bounce your way. And then the other third thing that I think people forget about, it's overlooked, is when you play teams. I think that's important. I mean, you play a team early in the year when they're still healthy and they got optimism, you can lose. Remember a few years back, the Saints would go like to Cleveland and lose. Those bad Browns teams would beat them with, uh, you know, backup quarterbacks. Because that, that team was healthy and, and still into it mentally. And then if you played that same Browns team late in the year, when they've given up, hope, and they're, they're just going through the motions, it's different. So yeah. you play a team after they have a big Monday night football win and they've emotionally invested in that win, and then you get them the next week and they're kind of flat. You catch them when they're flat. Those things matter. And so that's why the beauty of the NFL is – It's year to year. You never know. I mean, it's just there's so many teams that rise up like the Bengals did last year that very few people saw. And I think the Saints could be one of those teams. I very, very much believe they could be one of those teams that makes a deep run. But they also could be a team I think that drops off like the Seahawks did last year. And and we're all going, man, this is a this is a big transition that they're getting ready to go through. I I think the two extremes are, are real for this team.
0: You know the uh, the breaks have only gone their way like once in 55 years. I think they're I think they're due. A, I don't
1: know. <laughs> Sounds like a Saints fan there. You know I I always say man I never get into the officiating all those kind of things because um, I've just seen it over the years. Man, those things even out. You're going to get your calls. You're going to get them go against you. Uh, I've tried to bring up many times where Saints get their calls. A favorable call and no one no one wants to hear about that. They only no. want to hear about the ones that don't go their way.
0: I doubt I have 53 years left in me, so uh I don't know if it's gonna even out on my end, but that's okay. Just just give me another one and, and make, make it fun for at least one more year. Hey, before we end the show, there was a question that you were gonna ask that we didn't get to that a fun question. Um the black helmets, uh, which has been it's all you know, I went to poker this past weekend. It, it, it was a major topic of conversation. Everybody wants to know what everybody thinks about the black helmets. Um, what do you think about them?
1: I'm kind of torn. Like, I, I like them in general. Like, I like the black helmet itself and the, the gold fleur-de-lis. Yeah. I'm kind of not, i not 100% on the, the little fleur-de-lis down the middle, that little... Yeah, that little
0: it's touch. a little seahawky, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I kind of like the traditional, just the gold-white stripe down the middle. I think that would look cool, but overall, I definitely think they're going to look really, really cool on the field, and I knew about this like a year ago, man. I mean, I heard they're going to, they're going to have the black helmet. They had to go through the process. You have to go.
0: They wouldn't the give you one iota of of information on this, would they?
1: No, they were totally secretive uh in my sources. I mean, I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when they were going to announce it or what it was going to look like. Uh, but but these things take like a long time to get approved by the league. Uh, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, they they look at how it looks on TV, they make tweaks. I mean, there's a it's a long involved process with any uniform change. But what I always find interesting is just how many people care about yeah. uniforms and stuff like stuff that I don't think about. I mean, there's just uniform geeks out there and people care about numbers, jerseys, I mean. Yeah, it's just stuff that I don't ever think about. But I do overall like them. I would love to have asked Mickey about the design element because he and Sean Payton, as I understand it, were the people that designed them. Now, I'm sure they weren't on their computers typing it in. They probably got some professionals to design it, but they probably got a bunch of different options and signed off on the one that ultimately we saw unveiled. I would love to know more about that, so I regret not getting a chance to ask him.
0: The one thing that I'm not too keen on for me is and i'm with you i probably would have rather the stripe but they kind of like use old and new that's the old flirtily that's on there that that's the flirtily from years past i mean i either use the new flirtily with it or make some kind of modification to it which by the way i know people hate tweaking with uniforms but the saints need a uniform change it's time i mean i'm not saying radical what? but no. So it's time. They they need no. first of all they need to take the color rush jer- uniforms and make that their permanent white jerseys and white uniforms. That those color can rush can uniforms go for
1: that. Are perfect. I can go for that, but I, I mean I think they've got the best. Well, I think the best. I'm not saying radical generation.
0: change, but I wish they would go to that the the old. Old school jersey that they wear, they used to wear. They haven't worn it for about five years now. But the black jersey that's back from the 60s or whatever, find a way to incorporate that, and then you take the color rush jersey and you're kind of going back to the old school way, I guess. I don't know. The black numbers, and I said this, I don't know if it was to you or someone, I don't remember who I said this to, but those black numbers just remind me of the old, really bad 70s and 80s saints. That That's got to go.
1: Yeah, with the retro, I like kind of the retro look. Yeah, I, I, I will go with you on this. I I'm do like the color rush. I like the stripes on the sleeves. Yeah, that I'm going to get into the uniform. I, I like that. I do like those. I think those were some of the things you're referring to. But personally, I I like that they haven't, uh, you know, I like the stripe down on the on pants the too. I just don't like,
0: I'm I not like not these saying change the color. I, I like the old gold that, that they use, I don't like that yellowy gold. That they use I hate those gold whenever they wear the gold pants, especially when they wear it with a white jersey, it looks terrible. But uh, you know, go back to the old gold is what I guess is the mummy.
1: I I've never noticed really the difference in the gold. That's what I don't. Big
0: difference. Big difference and the font of the numbers on the on the color rush jerseys are different than their normal font and they, it looks much better. So but you're not you know yeah, well, uniform geek. I'm
1: big on like Steelers, Cowboys, Chiefs, you know, raiders. They all yeah. have these traditional Uniforms, stick with them. I, I'm not. I don't want to be like the, uh, you know, the, the, the Titans bags. or something that's changing oh, every two or three years. Come on.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying radical change. I'm not saying black and gold. But I'm not. No, don't change any of that. I'm just saying there's some different things you can do to to tweak it. I, I I like old better than than what they have now. So I'm just saying old gold. Give me some stripes. Go back. Maybe tweak the font a little bit. I don't know. I'm just saying a little tweak. It's time for. A, Little mini change.
1: I can go with a tweak.
0: Nothing nothing major. All right. Well, we I'm gonna go back into vacation mode and you can go. I mean, you can go find yourself someplace that I'm gonna be jealous because it's probably gonna be like sixty-eight degrees there in the middle of the day. And you know, you can send me a picture of something and I can just be jealous.
1: I'm gonna be somewhere where there's running water and temperatures below 85. I can promise you those two things. I will succeed in. Now, how much lower I get, I mean, the whole country's on fire right now. Larry Holder, our colleague, old colleague, said uh, I'm going to have to go to Alaska or somewhere in Canada, and I think he's right to get out of this heat. But the, I'm going to find some place. Re-emerge, I'll reemerge the week before training camp. The sun is so bright
0: that Larry Holder can't wear a visor or his head will catch on fire.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you oh, know. Lord. In his I mean, flip-flops. He probably he's
0: probably like, got sunburned feet. Hey, He's like the Heat Miser. All you need to do is paint his hair, and, and he'll be in perfect shape. All right, Dunko. Enjoy your vacation. We will talk to you soon.
1: All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Take that care. Is
0: gonna, that is going to wrap it up for Datitude episode 79. We are going to take a short break of three weeks. We will be back on July the 15th. All football, like we said, all the time. And the only thing we ask of you between now and then is to find a way to not make, have the kids drive you nuts enjoy whatever vacation time you have try to stay out of the heat so you're not dripping wet all over the carpet and you know just have fun think about football and we'll talk about football when we return in a few weeks enjoy the summer boys and girls we will see you soon peace and love my friends